recommendations episode 65 happy new year i am your host eddie shepherd along with ah the north carolina bound travis laster it's uh been an eventful weekend let's say the least happy new year to everyone i spent mine at an emergency vet so hooray go ahead and share that story uh yeah we went out to eat i came from to north carolina for christmas with my family and Lindsay was here with me um we went out to eat and my dog somehow got into a bag of chocolate covered raisins and then i had to spend uh saturday night slash morning at emergency vet till 5 a.m then i did the same thing on sunday night because i had to do testing so i watched the ball drop took my dog back to the vet and then last night did it again got home about two o'clock so every day about three hours of sleep so i've had about nine to ten hours of sleep in a three-day period so this is this is this is a fun way to break in the new year fuck tony khan let's get that right out of the bat travis has his tony khan shirt on uh out of solidarity i have my cm punk shirt on um i'm fearful for my life right now i'm glad we're in different states bet you are you little fucker um yeah man uh Happy New Year to everybody. So 2024 is off to to a bang. Our very first AEW match on the podcast. And it's actually one of the newest. It it was the newest match on the podcast. As we feature Hangman Page versus Swerve Strickland from AEW's Full Gear 2023 from this past November. Um, Travis, how do you think Tony's eyes are going to handle this one? Uh, I think there's a lot of lust in him. I'm pretty sure he probably busted a nut watching this match in the back as it happened um if it's anything like he was at the last press conference for world's end uh he can go fuck himself with that furry hat and dodging questions about and trying to say AEW's the safest workplace in in the wrestling business so yeah it's um he's probably watching it with wild-eyed excitement and uh raging boner the thing that always gets me is when he does the the stomp when he's out on stage and he's like stomping around to try to reiterate his point. Every time he does it, it reminds me of uh, Henry Winkler in The Water Boy. I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. That's all it reminds me of. I just have a nice little chuckle. Um, it is wild though that it took sixty five episodes for us to get an AEW match, and it's the newest match on the podcast. It is the newest match. That that's what surprises me because. Believe it or not, folks, there are AEW matches on here. There's actually probably a few AEW matches we need to add from that Continental Classic clusterfuck, whatever thing it was, because Brian Danielson did have some good matches during that that showing. Um, but yeah, uh, this is the newest match we have on here so far, and we'll see how it holds up. Yeah. So what better way to start than talk about Hangman Adam Page? Now, I want to preface this. Uh, there is a lot of stuff that happened pre-AEW time. I just don't want to drag out the podcast to make this be a, a two-hour-long episode. So I kind of condensed down a little bit. So we're going to talk a little bit about his career pre-AEW, and but mostly into AEW. So Stephen Waltz 
was born on July 27, 1991 in Halifax County, Virginia. Waltz made his professional wrestling debut in 2008 under the ring name Adam Page. Page made his Ring of Honor debut in January 2011, where he would be a staple of Ring of Honor for the next seven years. This is also where he developed the hangman gimmick, as he would hang Chris Saban during a match with a noose. That's kind of how the whole idea of Hangman Adam Page came about. I will say, not a bad gimmick. I kind of like it. No, but not so much PC, bro. Not anymore. Um, yeah. it's, kind of a throw, it's kind of a throwback gimmick. You think back to like Outlaw Ron Bass and Stan Hansen and people like that. Um, th- th- he's... He's not cut out of the same mold as a Stan Hansen or Outlaw Ron Bass or people like that, but we get it. It's kind of a throwback cowboy gimmick. Cowboy shit. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. On May 9th, 2016, during the first night of World of Worlds, Worlds Tour, Hangman Adam Page joined the Bullet Club. That June, Hangman would go on to make his debut for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Page's final match in Ring of Honor was at Final Battle 2018, where he defeated, where he was defeated by defending Ring of Honor World Television Champion Jeff Cobb. Shout out to Jeff Cobb. During the December 2018 TV tapings, Page and the Elite left Ring of Honor. Why did they leave Ring of Honor? In January 2019, Page signed on with All Elite Wrestling along with the rest of the Elite. Page was scheduled to face Pac or Pac at AEW's very first event, Double or Nothing, after a confrontation between the two took place at an AEW conference. But the match was later canceled due to creative differences. Travis, do you remember the reasoning why? Because I don't really remember. I think it had something to do with Pox, uh, or Pax. I'm going to call him Pac. Uh, Pox uh, uh, Visa. Yeah, I think it had something to do with that, and... I don't know. Neville slash Pac was a little more difficult to deal with, I guess, after he left WWE too. So I could see that being part of it. Um, if they're trying to kayfabe it, brother, so they could get a little bit more heat on it and be like, oh, he didn't want to work with Adam Page kind of thing. I don't really know, but I, I really think it was more so a visa issue or something. And, you know, that sucks because Pac Pack, even in his AEW career, has been there for two or three three weeks and then he's gone. I don't think he's been on TV in months at this point now in twenty in twenty twenty three twenty twenty four. I don't even know where he's at. I can't. I I mean, I got to be honest, and like I know we give AEW. I'm going to do my best to not be a dick during this podcast because I am a little bit indifferent when it comes to AEW. But there's so many fucking people on their roster that I didn't even realize he he's not been on TV. Oh yeah, he hasn't been on there for a while, and um, he was one of their cornerstone guys to begin with, and then this happened and he's not even on, you know, the show with him. So that, that, that kind of blew. Cause I was a fan of Neville slash Pac, especially when he was in NXT. I thought he was the fucking man, but it is what it is. I mean, he, the cruiserweight division, all that stuff and his leaving WWE. Um, but here's the thing now is like, he's in AEW, but is he really in AEW? Cause you never see him. Yeah. yeah and he had the death triangle with the Lucha brothers, uh, which, uh, big fans of those guys. Instead, Hangman Page was the surprise final entrant in the Casino Battle Royale at Double or Nothing, where he last eliminated MJF to win to get an AEW championship opportunity. However, at All Out on August 31st, Page was defeated by Chris Jericho in a match to crown the very first AEW world champion. 
Catch 22. Draw eyes on your product with Chris Jericho being your champion or crown the young guy to be champion of the young promotion. What do you do? The face of the company. She put the rocket to his back, brother. Um, I get what they were trying to do. Jericho's the established star. He's the future Hall of Famer. He has all the street cred from WWE. Um, and he just came off that match with Kenny Omega, you know, at Wrestle Kingdom. So I get what they were doing. He'll he'll starting out, and then you have someone chase Jericho for the belt. I get it. But if you look at it in hindsight, was he the best for match quality and stuff of that nature? No. And if anybody says different, they're just a Jericho mark at this point because I just feel like his AEW stuff does not hold up with some of the other stuff he's known for in his career. And kudos to Tony Khan for putting the belt on the guy with the most name value had at the time. So I get what he did, but I always thought it should have been someone different than uh, Jericho. Maybe not Hangman Page, maybe Kenny Omega to start out with. I don't know, but I, I just didn't didn't think Jericho was the right right stepping stone there at the beginning. No, I understand why they did it, but I think if you're having a brand new company, you'd want to have somebody brand new that's a fresh face. Hangman's that guy to do so, even if he holds the title just for a little while. But um, I think they kind of dropped the ball on that. And, um, I mean, it it didn't help Chris Jericho any. You know what I mean? It didn't make him a bigger star. So um, I I still believe that you should have put the title on Hangman. Pack and Hangman began feuding shortly after, with Hangman coming out on top during that feud. Following this, Paige began teaming with Kenny Omega. The two defeated SoCal Uncensored, which was Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky, in January of 2020 to win the AEW World Tag Team Championships. At Revolution on February 29th, Paige and Omega retained their titles against the Young Bucks in a highly acclaimed match. Uh, as far as I know, through cagematch.net, uh, that is the highest rated um, AEW match of all time. And I believe it's on our list. It is on our list. I think it's a good representation of what those guys could do. Um, And I I mean, all things considered, pretty damn good match. Yeah. And just if you guys didn't know, cage match is the way to book your promotion. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Lustful Tony. (laughs) I'm sorry. We got to talk about this really quick because we, yeah, we haven't talked about that. So after World's End or before World's End, uh, Tony Khan was essentially like, Hey, man, so our company's really good. You want to know why we're good? Because cagematch.net says so. Cagematch.net is where internet marks go and give ratings to matches. We use that parameter during our podcast when we do the watch-along. It holds no water to anything relevant. That Uh, this is something that you hold dear to you. It it blows my mind. Well, and we use it kind of as a to judge what people think of a match. And we also find somebody that's a Lene's Mountie mark out of it. And there's, you could definitely tell the people that are a mark for promotion and people that are marked for people and people that are a mark that, that did that, that hate that promotion. Um, it's good. So you could be able to find this stuff and find kind of people's opinions, but it should not be taken as gospel. It's, it's much like Dave Meltzer. Like it's one man's opinion. Cage matches the markiest of the marks opinion to be honest, because no casual fan, honestly, is going to cage match to be like, oh, this Stan Hansen uh, match from Japan in 1987 got seven stars. I need to watch it right now. No, it, it's for 
the wrestling fan by the wrestling fan and those type of people and i and we're in that group i hate to say it or kind of a niche market you need that uh casual eye to help grow your business and if you're catering to the cage match dot net users then you're just going to cater to that select group for the entire time you will never grow your audience in my opinion yeah and, and that's to me the reason why they're not growing is because they're only catering to that small niche audience yeah. um they try by you know hiring guys like uh, adam copeland and people like that to try to get some sting get some common eyes on the product but it's just people just don't really care right now so it's really hard to grow when you don't want to grow and that's essentially where they're at yep. uh after this highly acclaimed match the elite began to feud with the inner circle which was chris jericho jake hager sammy guevara santana and ortiz leading to the elite recruiting the debuting matt hardy at Double or Nothing in May 2020, the Elite and Hardy defeated the Inner Circle in a stadium stampede match. Um, it's just all-out chaos. It is what it is. It's just a crazy, hardcore match. Yeah. After a lengthy period of tension within the group, Paige was removed from the Elite by the Young Bucks. At September's All Out, Paige and Omega lost the tag titles to FTR. After losing the championship, Paige and Omega were separated as a team. Going into 2021, Paige began a storyline with a dark order where they tried to recruit him to their group. However, in January 2021, on an episode of Dynamite, Paige rebuffed their offer and stated he would not join them as he felt he did not work well in groups. At Road Rager, Paige renewed his rivalry with his former ally, Kenny Omega, who is now AEW World Champion, and the Young Bucks, who were the AEW World Tag Team Champions. At November 2021's Full Gear, Paige defeated Kenny Omega to win the World Championship in another highly acclaimed match. Uh, I will give it to this. This is the culmination of that storyline. Um, it's something they got right. I think that uh, the whole feud with Kenny Omega, Kenny Omega is the best bout machine. He's winning all the title belts. He's you know the uh, AEW champion. He's the TNA champion. He's the Impact champion. He's the uh, AAA champion. Um, it, it, it worked for him and this is kind of the culmination. This is to me, I think you could almost say the peak of hangman Adam page. Yeah, it was definitely where they build him and build him and build him and the dark order breaks him down and he you know, he, he begins to kind of appreciate and respect those guys. And, and then it, it culminates with him getting his shot at Kenny Omega and exercising that demon, uh, that it was his former tag team partner. Um, it was, it was a really good story. Um, and, uh, the match was good. I do believe that match is also on our list. Uh, but you know, it, it this was when it was his peak, but it's then it's like, what do you do with him afterwards? And then that's where it kind of AEW always seems to have an issue is, is how do you follow it up? What do you do with him next? Yeah. You told this great story, but you got to continue it on somehow. I'll give I'll give AEW credit too because this is not just an, an AEW issue. That's a WWE issue as mm -hmm. well. You you have the, the chase and then you finally culminate with the babyface winning the title. Well, now what? What yep. do you, what, what where does he go from here? So it's it's a really hard thing to do. Um, that's why you know the chase is always worth more than the guy actually winning the title. Um, and that's why a lot of the times these babyfaces don't hold the title for very long because the chase is what what got you to the dance. And the same can be said for Cody Rhodes now in WWE. There's more oh, yeah. 
in the chase than when he wins the belt. Because, yes, he's going to put on great matches, and, yes, you know, all that stuff, but can he keep the momentum he has chasing the title as champion? And I just don't know if he will. I don't personally, uh, I'm to the point now where I don't think Cody needs the title. I think it would be a nice feather in the cap to kind of cap off the, the career of what Cody is, but Cody doesn't need the title to make himself a bigger star. That's just me. Yeah. Page made his first title defense against Brian Danielson at the winner is coming event in December, 2021, which ended in a 60 minute time limit draw. The two met in a rematch in January, 2022 on an episode of dynamite, which page would win. He would also defend the championship against Lance Archer, Adam Cole, and then would enter into a feud with CM Punk, who would eventually beat Paige for the title, ending his reign at 197 days. We're going to talk more about it here in a second. Paige would then call out Okada for a match at Forbidden Door for the IWGP Championship, but not before Jay White would defeat Okada for the title. A four-way match would be scheduled to take place for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship between Adam Cole, Hangman Hangman Adam uh, Page, uh, Jay White, and Okada at Forbidden Door, where Page was unsuccessful after White pinned Cole to retain the title. Uh, that's where Cole gets concussed. That's where he had a really hard time coming back. Yeah, that match was kind of a clusterfuck. Um, I remember when that pay-per-view happened, it was like the holy grail all of a sudden, and then you look back on it, it's like, are we just saying that injuries left and right too? Are you just saying that because it's a super show between two promotions or was it really that good? And I think it's more of the latter, you know, the former, not the latter. Um, and like you said, it's played with injuries. Everything they tried to build was snake bit. Uh, I believe Danielson was hurt. Uh, punk was hurt. And it just, it, 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 to me, it didn't live up to the hype that it could have been. If you'd had those other guys there, It'd have been, you know, more talked about than I think it is now. Um, at the time, you know, cage match was all the rage about it, but now it's more so what could have been with that show. And I think if you go back and look at it with 2020 vision or whatever, now a lot of people would see that is it could have been a lot bit more than it was. Oh yeah, and and I'm, I mean, injuries are injuries. It's part of it. Yeah. I'm not going to sit here and defend them, but I mean, that's part of the issue why that show wasn't as big as it should be. Uh, Travis in September, 2022, we would get the brawl out at all out. Let's talk about it, man. So the whole story of how this all began is page and CM Punk were having promos, uh, page slipped in that people didn't want him there, this and that. And he was, you know, I guess shooting from the hip. Um, also along the lines of holding people back. Page Page said essentially he gets a lot of people offering him advice, but he doesn't feel like he needs to take the advice, which I think is is a stupid statement to make. You always can learn something from what some from somebody who's made a lot more money than you have. Just be calling a spade a spade. CM Punk is is more of a draw than Hangman Page ever was. Yeah, just, just saying. And it spits in the face of all the people that were there, like Arn Anderson, a Tully Blanchard, a Jake Roberts, uh, Sting. Uh, Dean Malenko, Jerry Lynn, all these people they surrounded themselves with to give these new workers advice that have been on WCW, WWF, ECW television and have drawn money to some extent. Um, to sit there and say that you don't take those people's advice, um, or you don't need it, 
it's kind of a slap in the face of them and it, it makes you look like your ego is fucking huge. I think he was meaning it kind of in a cool guy manner, the way he was saying it. Uh, but it came across highly disrespectful. And I think punk took that to, to heart. And then the fact that he was sitting there pretty much saying that, you know, talking shit about punk, people didn't want him there. It's holding people back. It's, you know, insinuating about Colt Cabana and stuff on TV. And it, it just, it turned into, the drama that still plagues the company to this day. To me, the whole brawl out situation was the perfect example of what would have happened if WCW would have been around during social media. Yep. Empty headed dumb fuck. Yes. Punk punk goes hard on it. Um, of course, you know, afterwards there's a big scuffle in the, in the back, which we'll never know what fully, what, like what really happened. Oh, unless you're Chris Jericho, you didn't sign the NDA and you can say whatever you want to, but I don't think that fucker was there. He's just trying to get some podcast subscriptions at this point, which we are too. Subscribe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll eventually talk more about the whole brawl. I just wanted to kind of mention it a little bit because that's kind of a big staple of, of his legacy right now of uh, hangman Adam page's legacy at grand slam page participated in the golden ticket battle Royal for a future AEW world championship match, which he would win by last eliminating Roosh on the October 18th episode of dynamite title Tuesday page received the title shot against John Moxley. However, during the match page suffered a legitimate in- injury after taking a bad landing on off a lariat causing the ref to stop the match. Yep. I remember this. It was I pretty rough too. to watch. Yeah, it was a pretty scary moment. Um, I can remember it. it was all over X slash Twitter, too. Um, just to rewind a second, um, wasn't he supposed to get a rematch for the title since he lost it anyway? And he never no, got that's it? Not how that, that's not how that works. That's <laughs> um, not how it works, brother. But, yeah, and I remember everybody was, like, super freaked out about it, and they didn't know, you know, what had really happened to him until later, and, you know, it was – concussion and stuff but a scary moment for sure yeah it was pretty rough to watch at least they actually stopped the match and like some uh the time when moxley got dropped on his fucking head twice um yeah twice i digress page returned from injury on the no uh in november and we continued to feud with the uh blackpool combat club throughout 2023 in august 2023 it was announced that page kenny omega and the young bucks had all Sign multi-year contract extensions for for uh, AEW. So there was a lot of talk that they pot- potentially go to WWE with the whole brawl out situation. Um, but no, they, they decided to stay. On the September 27th episode of Dynamite, Paige and Swerve Strickland met in the ring for a contract signing to confirm their match for Wrestle Dream. The two insulted one another, leading to Paige stabbing Strickland's hand with a pen. At Wrestle Dream in October 2023, Paige was defeated by Swerve Strickland. On November 18th at Full Gear, Paige and Strickland would take place in a Texas death match, which is the match we're about to cover. So on the other side of the ring, Travis, Swerve Strickland. Stefan Strickland was born in Tacoma, Washington on September 30th, 1990. His father, who was a sergeant first class cook in the U.S. Army, moved the family to Germany when Strickland was two months old. Strickland spent the first seven years of his life in Germany. Did not know that. Strickland decided to become a professional wrestler when he was 18 years old, and he began training at Ground Zero Wrestling uh, Training Academy in August of 2008. Interesting. I don't. I don't really know what Ground Zero is, to be honest with you. 
I'm not real familiar with it either. Um, but yeah, he started training in 2008. Strickland's first appearance for a significant promotion was in September 2011 for the National Wrestling Alliance. Strickland also made his Combat Zone Wrestling CZW debut in February 2012 in a dark match. On May 5th, 2012, Shane Strickland made his debut for Evolve Wrestling. Fuck you, Gabe. Get it in there. Get it in there. Fuck you, Gabe. Strickland participated in El Ray Network's Lucha Underground. His friend Ricochet being on the show led to him sending Conan, your favorite wrestler, some of his demo Fuck tapes it. in late 2014. This led to a tryout match with Willie Mack and him later being signed by the company. He portrayed the character of Lieutenant Jermaine Strickland, a military vet who carries dog tags to honor the memories of his fallen comrades and wrestled under a mask as Killshot. In season two, Strickland had a feud with Marty Martinez, Marty the Moth, after Marty stole his dog tags after a match between them ended in a no contest. Their feud ended in a weapon of mass destruction match where Killshot defeated Martinez. After the match, Killshot started a storyline when he received a letter from A.R. Fox, a former brother in arms who Killshot left for dead in battle. Gotta love these fucking Lucha Underground storylines. Still in the dog tags reminds me of the... Brett. <laughs> the jacket reminds me of Repo Man still in Macho Man's hat. Reminds me of Kid Anderson still in Kurt Angle's dog tags at TNA. Uh, the list goes on, man. Inanimate objects getting stolen. And it's a blood feud, so it's about what they mean to them, Travis. The dog Fair. tags meant everything. They meant that's why, everything. That's why I left the man to die. <laughs> Bye. Yes. In war. Uh, AR Fox would also go by Dante Fox uh, during this time in uh, Lucha Underground. Uh, the two men faced off in Ultima Lucha Trace Part One in a hell of a war match. Hell of war match. Uh, where Killshot won. That match is on our list. It's one of the few Lucha Underground matches on our list. They're true. There's not a lot of Lucha Underground. There's only what four seasons? I want to say. I believe four. Yeah. So like there's there's some matches, but they're all built to Ultima Ultima Lucha. Ultima Lucha. During season four, Killshot had a feud with Son of Havoc, Matt Cross, which culminated in Ultima Lucha Quattro in a mask versus mask match. After losing the match, Killshot surrendered his mask to Son of Havoc and revealed his identity as Lieutenant Jermaine Strickland. Killshot mask was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, just, man, Lucha Underground, if, if you didn't experience, look it up, man. It's It was a wild time to live it's through. A, it's some wild stuff, man. It wasn't bad. It was just different. Yeah, it's very Lucha-inspired. <laughs> it's the name Lucha Underground. But it, it takes me back to some of those storylines in the 90s with with some of the stuff they did with just more athletic wrestling and high spots and stuff. It's It was, it was kind of campy at times, but it gave guys a platform to perform and, and, and girls to get out there and perform. And, you know, more power to them. It was, it was, a, it was an interesting product. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely uh, it's a time capsule of the time period, which is um, pretty interesting. We talked about uh, a little bit of Lucha Underground with uh, and the Ricochet match that we have with Ricochet and Gunther. So, um, yeah, like one day we're going to you know, full on talk about Lucha Underground one day. In July 2016, Strickland went on to defeat uh, Joe Gacy 
Leo Rush, and Davey Richards in a four-way match to win the CZW World Heavyweight Championship for the first time. Davey Richards shirt the, squad, baby. Davey Richards, yeah, that's a throwback, buddy. <laughs> he held on to the title until November before losing to Gacy, who then immediately lost the title to Ricky Shane Page. Page then challenged both men to a cage of death match for the title, which Strickland was unsuccessful at winning. I want to talk about this really quick. There is a spot that happens in that match um, where he um, there's like a plate glass and he goes flying through it and his back is scarred up to this day from uh, that match. When he started wrestling for NGW, which I'm going to talk about here in a little bit, um, myself and Cody pretty much asked him, was like, why did you do that? Like, you're a hell of a talent. You're you're on the uprise. And his ex, his reason for telling us that he did it is because he had to do everything he could to stand out more uh, to potentially get signed by a big company. And it's just kind of wild to me that this is what he had to do. Uh, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, definitely go back and look it up. Uh, he, he goes flying off the top of this cage and goes through some, um, some plate glass. And it literally looks like a hunk of his back is hanging off his back. It's pretty gross. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a stunning visual. Um, I don't know if he had to go that far to get his name noticed, but you know if that's what he thought he had to do, man, more power to him. I mean, people got his name out there. In 2016, Strickland made his debut in Germany for Westside Extreme Wrestling (WXW), which we've talked about in the podcast, taking on teams such as Angelico and Jack Evans, uh, Ring Comp, which is Timothy Thatcher and Walter Mustache Mountain, Tyler Bate and Trent Seven, and the leaders of the New School, Marty Skrull and Zack Saber Jr. Which you don't hear a whole lot about Marty lately. No, not at all. Take that Jericho yeah. route. NDA, indeed. Uh, Strickland would make his NGW debut August 13th, 2017 in a tournament to crown a new NGW champion. Matt Cross had broke his leg and he was our champion and the title was vacated. Um, so Shane Strickland made his debut taking on Menace in the opening round of this tournament to crown a new champion at Uncivil War 3, having uh, a pretty damn good match. Um, then, of course, the following October, uh, he would defeat Matt Cross to advance to the championship finals. Um, to me, it's probably one of my favorite matches I've ever seen live between Matt Cross and Shane Strickland. It is on our list. I can't wait to cover that. Um, and then in February 2018, he would defeat Sean Hoodrich to become the NGW champion. Uh, he would hold the title until March of 2019. So we'll keep talking about that as we go forward. Mm-hmm. On October 5th, 2017, Strickland debuted uh, in the main event of Major League Wrestling's 2017 Rebirth show, One Shot by defeating Ricochet. He would go on to win the MLW championship, feuding with Loki and Sammy Callahan during his time at MLW. On August 4th, 2018, Strickland defeated Matt Riddle to win the Evolve championship at Evolve 108. Fuck you, Gabe Spolsky. People don't forget. <laughs> oh, man, this you sound is, like, like, like riding uh, Chris Keith over here. Well, oh, here's here's well. This is the time period. So during when he wins the Evolve Champion, he is already NGW Champion. He won the title in February, uh, the NGW title. Uh, he won the Evolve title in August, uh, and this is where I have the issues with Gabe Sapolsky because he was basically going to say, "Fine, I won't book Shane Strickland just because he wouldn't split a flight with us." Like, dude, you have the backing to, of WWE. You're on the fucking WWE network. You mean to tell me you can't split like a three or four hundred dollar flight? Yeah, 
Like y'all were doing, he was doing y'all a favor by letting y'all pay for this entire flight and shit. It made no sense. Gabe Sapolsky's a cuck. I stand by what I said. So if it ever gets out, fuck you, Gabe Sapolsky. I stand by it. You're a dick. Um, and apparently a lot of people feel that way about Gabe as well because they said he never fucking paid the, the talent the way they should have. So fuck you, Gabe. And of all of for Paul Heyman, so that's fine. Yeah, all fucking adds up, huh? At Evolve 114, he lost the championship to NXT's Fabian Eichner, who is Giovanni Vinci. Ending his three-month reign, Strickland wrestled NXT's Cassius Ono, Adam Cole, and AR Fox during his time in Evolve. On January 15, 2019, Strickland stated on Twitter that he was now a free agent. On March 9, 2019, Strickland gave a farewell speech at the Phi Wrestling at Defy Wrestling, uh, indicating that he will be signing with a major company soon. Uh, and then in March, he lost the title to Sean Hoodrich, the NGW title. So we we were told he by him that he had signed. He is going to sign with WWE. Uh, so they had to t- we had to take the title off him. The plan was to keep the title on him for quite a quite a while, but um, of course uh, he he had to move on. So that was in March. And on April 17th, 2019, it was announced that he had signed a contract with WWE and begun working at their performance center under the ring name Isaiah Swerve Scott. I remember this was a big deal with us because uh, we swore up and down that we knew Shane was like, we didn't want to be like, hey, we know Shane's being signed, but kind of tongue in cheek. And there was a local promoter in this area. um, God, Barry Allen, motherfucker. Runs Ego Pro. <laughs> Go fuck yourself, Barry Allen. Um, he was like, Shane Strickland would never get signed to WWE. We're like, dude, he legitimately told us he is going to sign with WWE like soon. And then it happened. And then he got action figures. And then he, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it more. But it was almost like, man, like, I hate being right. And like, this motherfucker mm-hmm. thinks he knows everything. Uh, for reference point, guys, if you have no idea who this guy is, uh, he said he came up with the idea of the Bullet Club. So take that for what it is. Yeah, man. <laughs> There's like also a guy in Tennessee that taught Dolph Ziggler how to chain rails. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh, that's a really deep cut. We'll have to save, we'll have to save that for one day. He's a total knockout. <laughs> he nailed it. I think he had some legal trouble recently, but shocker, right? It's true. Not he really. Best friends. He thinks we're best friends. It's kind of funny. Uh, he would prominently be featured on NXT TV during the pandemic. On the February 17th, 2021 episode of NXT, uh, Isaiah Swerve Scott attacked Leon Ruff after losing a match to him, turning heel in the process. On the May 4th episode of NXT, Scott defeated Ruff in a false Count Anywhere match after Top Dalla interfered on Scott's behalf. The following week, Scott was joined by Top Dalla, Ashante, The Adonis, and BFAB forming the stable. Yeah, I was a fan. Top dollar, not great. <laughs> no, I was a, but I was a fan. I just, I had invested interest just because a swerve. So, no. uh, I, they were doing something with him. On the June 29th episode of NXT, Scott defeated Bronson Reed to win the North American Championship, his first title in WWE. As part of the 2021 draft, Scott, along with the rest of Hit Row, were drafted to the SmackDown brand. On the October 12th episode of NXT, he defeated Santos Escobar to retain the NXT North American Championship, only to lose it to Carmelo Hayes, ending his reign at 105 days. On November 4th, B-Fab was released from her contract. On November 18th, Scott was released from his WWE contract, along with Ashante the Adonis 
and Top Dollar. So wild to me that they brought them up, did nothing with them, then fired them. Yeah. Very much a Vince McMahon thing to do at the time. I agree. And a lot of this is when the guard was changing. Triple H was sick. Um, so a lot of stuff was going on that he kind of had no control over. His, Triple H's little um, kingdom that he built over there started to kind of crumble because of all of this. True. Like, you could tell, like, it's almost like there was a, a butt hurtness from Vince McMahon, and he was kind of taking it out upon people that were deemed Triple H guys at the time, like Karrion Cross and all these other guys, uh, top, you know, hit row. Um, the list kind of goes on. So it's not a not a shocker that when Triple H became back in power, a lot of these guys got re-signed. Yeah, the guys that could get re-signed who weren't signed other places, they definitely came back. Uh, Strictly would make his debut for New Japan Pro Wrestling on March 12, 2022, uh, by accepting Jay White's open challenge in which he was defeated in the match. Strickland would go on to sign with All Elite Wrestling, debuting under the new name Swerve Strickland at Revolution on March 6, 2022. The following weeks, Strickland aligned himself with Keith Lee, and they became a tag team as Swerve in Our Glory. In April 2022, Strickland made his debut for AEW sister promotion, Ring of Honor, defeating Alex Zane at Supercard of Honor 15. Alex Zane has also wrestled for NGW. I'm surprised they're not doing a whole lot with him. On July 13th, Swerve and Our Glory defeated defending champions the Young Bucks and Team Taz in a triple or nothing match to win the AEW tag titles. They had a success. They had successful title defenses against the likes of the Lucha Brothers and the Gun Club. They would then enter into a three-match series with the acclaimed Max Caster and Anthony Bowens, defeating them at All Out, losing the belts to them in a rematch on Dynamite Grand Slam, and then losing to them once more at Full Gear. After Strickland slapped Lee when Lee refused to use pliers as a weapon, causing Lee to walk out of the match. They would end the team shortly after and lead to Swerve turning hill. This isn't a situation where, like, the acclaimed were super fucking over, and they should have won the first match, but then they kind of, like, had to do it, like, in the the rematch. I don't know, man. I'm a fan of the acclaimed. I like them. I like the acclaim. I do like their their presentation. Um, they they're very entertaining, which it baffles me why they are not featured on TV more now. Like they're over with the crowd. I think they're the six six man tag champions, which I don't think have been defended in months at this point. Um, if it has been on like Rampage or something, but the acclaimed are fucking over uh, or were they've they've kind of cooled them off now, but um. Yeah, I agree. They should have won it the first time. Um, and we still have never resolved the Shane Strickland or Swerve Strickland Keithley feud. I mean, yeah, that it was just what... kind of goes like every, like it, it, they bring it up and they let it go. It's like Even Marty so much of the last, the last fucking show, they were supposed to have Keith Lee wrestle, but Keith Lee was, was hurt. Um, and they just randomly put the match together. Like, I don't understand the it's, logic with it. It's very much. It reminds me of like 92, 93 Rockers. Like they were never the tag team the Rockers were, but it's like Marty would vanish for a while and then they try to bring the feud back and then it just never, never had the heat it did that it had right after he threw him through the barbershop window. Yeah, I agree. 
Uh, throughout early to mid-2023, Swerve began to feud with Darby Allen and Sting, which would lead to their match at All In and Wembley in a coffin match in a losing effort as he teamed with Christian Cage. Strickland returned for the first time since being placed in the coffin at All In, confronting Hangman Adam Page. Strickland berated Page, claiming that if he was given the same opportunities as him, he would have been the first black AEW world champion. Interesting promo. It is actually a very, very good promo. Strickland challenged him to a match at Wrestle Dream on October 1st, where he defeated Page. They would also continue promos. Swerve would actually go to uh, Hangman's house and yeah. like, like stare over his son's crib. Um, kind of some good shit. And then they put into the contract right before, you know, the week before that both guys, they can't touch one another or they'll basically be suspended or fired, whatever the storyline is. Um, and then Heyman cuts, cuts a really good promo. I was going to add it. It was just really long winded. Um, but essentially Heyman attacks Prince Nana and Strickland can do nothing about it. So he yep. can't, he's trying, he can't touch him. So security breaks it up. Um, and that sets up their Texas death match at, Full gear. Uh, this Texas death match as well, guys, is not like a traditional Texas death match. Um, you don't have to pin the guy, and he has 10 seconds to answer. It's essentially a last man standing match is what it is. It's just that that's Hangman's gimmick is Texas death matches at this point because he's had so many. Um, but, yeah, it, it's a, essentially a last man standing. It's it's not a real Texas death match no. that we have covered on this podcast. You are correct. Uh, Terry Gordy and Dr. Death Steve Williams. Probably the best Texas Death match ever. And then we also covered Cactus Jack and uh, Vader. Which was Great a match. Little, little different twist on it, too. Yeah, the 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 uh, gimmick to it doesn't... It's not as good as the other one, but... Yeah. Definitely go back and listen to that episode. It's a really good one. The show, Travis, AEW's Full Gear took place on Saturday, November 18th, 2023 at the Kia Forum in Los Angeles. Uh, actually, the suburb of Los Angeles, Inglewood, California. Tony's eyes are staring at me. I don't like it, Travis. You got to get it right. You got to get those dates right because he's a snob for that. Oh, yeah. The attendance, 12,904. Uh, I'm not going to talk about the pre-show matches. We're going to go right into the show. Sting, Darby Allen, and Adam Copeland with Ric Flair defeated the patriarchy Ugh. of Christian Cage, Luchasaurus, and Nick Wayne. Orange Cassidy with Hook defeated John Moxley with Willer Yuta to retain the AEW International Championship. I am a, actually a big fan of Orange Cassidy. I don't think he gets the credit that he deserves. I just I'm a, say that. I'm a little, I'm a little lukewarm on Orange Cassidy. But I do appreciate that he can turn it on when he needs to. Absolutely. Timeless Tony Storm with Luther defeated Hikaru Shida uh, to win the AEW Women's Championship. Ricky Starks and Big Bill defeated uh, Roosh Andrealistico. Uh, FTR and the Kings of the Black Throne, which is Malachi Black and Brody King, in a four-way ladder match to retain the AEW World Tag Team Championships. Just want to point out that match was made like the day before. Yeah, and it's but pretty much because F uh, was it Cash Wheeler got caught with a gun. Essentially why he ended up losing the, he ended up losing the belts. Um, yeah, yeah that, that was a problem. It's still a problem around this time, but the build for some of these matches is just like, let's throw a four-way tag team ladder match on the card and that no one knows about or no one's feuding really in. Yeah, uh, that's my problem. If you're going to promote a pay-per-view... 
Give you give. I mean, elite. If you're gonna have this many matches, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You have eight matches. Give me at least six matches beforehand. Don't don't just kind of throw them together the week before. It just to me, it just hurts your drawing ability. Well, and you're uh, risking those guys' professions for a match of high spots that really means nothing. I mean, in reality, you could have just done Ricky Starks and Big Bill versus FTR. Yep, in a, in a in a regular tag match, and just yep. had to be really good. Well, I mean, you already have a gimmick match on here, so I mean, there's really no sense. Um, Julia Hart defeated Chris Statlander and Sky Blue to win the AEW TBS Championship. Uh, you get the Swerve Strickland versus Hangman Adam Page Texas Death Match, the Golden Jets, which is Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega defeating the Young Bucks. That match is terrible. I tried watching it; it was not it's great. Still, it's right when I got I caught the tail end of this match. And the, I got the entire tag match. I was like, man, this fucking blows. I even messaged you and the rest of Pierce guys. I was like, the f-, and then, of course, Twitter blew up. Oh, such a good tag match. So great. I'm like, what the fuck were they watching? Because it was the shits. It was not great. And then, of course, MJF defeated Jay White to retain the AEW championship. This is the whole thing where he got hurt during the uh, pre-show because pre he teamed with Samoa Joe for the Ring of Honor tag titles. Um, and then he barely makes it back. Um, it was fucking stupid. It was yeah. stupid then. It's stupid now. Yeah, so overbooked, so overblown. For somebody to barely make it back and then have a 35-minute-plus match makes no fucking sense. No. And Travis, that leads us right on to this match. Before we get rolling here, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back with you. Next Generation Wrestling is an independent wrestling organization that runs professional wrestling shows in East Tennessee. We have been running shows since 2014 and have featured talented independent wrestlers from all over the world, with our shows being featured primarily on High Spots TV. Follow us on all social media platforms at NextGenTN to find out about upcoming shows. Hello, Wrestling Recommendations listeners. My name is Ryan, one half of the Wrestling Purists podcast, alongside my tag team partner and best friend, Jeff. We are the Wrestling Purists, two guys who share a love for the sport of professional wrestling and have been podcasting since 2020. Our flagship series, The Retro Review, is where we take a show from the past, bring it to the present, and cover it through the lens of a wrestling purist. We also have Pure Talk, an interview series where we welcome talent to the pod to talk all things professional wrestling. We can't talk about our pod and not mention The Shoot, a series where we get together with our good friends, Eddie and Travis, from right here at Wrestling Recommendations and shoot on whatever needs to be shot on. You can listen to us on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are available. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, TikTok, and all social media outlets at WPPod1. All direct links and more are available at our website, linktree.com slash WPPod1. Come give us a listen as we give a pure take on professional wrestling. And we are back, Travis. Guys, if you want to watch along with us, I don't really know how to tell you how we're watching this because we're not watching it the up and up way. We're watching it through Travis's means and methods. Yeah, I mean, you can watch along with us here. I, I think it may be on Daily Motion. If you Google 
I did see there was a full match, but I did not see if it was Wrestle Dream or this match. But yeah, we we uh we got this match. I'm not gonna tell you how I got it. Um, we may have had to look into Tony's lustful eyes for a little bit, but we got the fucking match, and that's all that matters. And it'll probably get copyright stricken because we got the match somehow. Yeah, it's it's gonna be copyright stricken. I know there's no doubt about it. To me, it's just going to. So I hope you guys will be will be able to watch <laughs> this match along with us. Um we're gonna start right as uh Swerve's already in the ring and Hangman doesn't even get an entry as comes in and starts the match starts. So beating the Travis, shit out of him. Are you ready to do this? Let's go, brother. Our first AEW match on the podcast. I'm I'm more ready for this than Tony Tony's nose is ready for a line of cocaine. See, I got my CM Punk shirt on. Travis has his, his terrifying Tony shirt. Alrighty, guys. We're going to say three, two, one, and play. And here we go. The match is starting hot. Starting out of the gates hot, boys and girls. And I like it. It's a blood feud. Um, they're uh, they're going right after one another. Uh, the families are involved. Power um, He Hangman, essentially, he's going really quick for a buckshot lariat here. Um, the cell job is fucking fantastic. Oh, it looks fucking great. Uh, I can't knock the guy. Hangman looks like a million bucks. Well, and this is more the hangman people probably want to see. The rough and tumble ass kicker. Not the one trying to be funny and all this other shit. Like, I could take this hangman page more seriously than world champion hangman page. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, still, it's still crazy to me that Logan Paul does that better than hangman and he doesn't have the experience he does. Yeah, I agree. So a lot of this is going to take place on the outside. So we've not ever really got to talk about AEW, Travis. What do you feel about their presentation? I mean, I, I give it to them with that. I mean, their production values are, are pretty stellar. I mean, you got to look at it. And up until recently, Keith Mitchell was uh, one of the heads of their production. I mean, he recently got released. But you got to look at it. I mean, it's – I know that fans don't want it to be like this, but it's very WWE-esque in their presentation. It's well lit. They've got – sponsorships they got stuff on the on the guardrails on the post on the on the titan trons or whatever they call them but it's it, it feels very much like they took inspiration from a wwe uh sense of presentation yeah i mean and it's hard too because um when you think about the, the you know north america in the states wwe is kind of the the groundwork for how it yeah. should be for for your production value here yeah, it's it's very much the flagship of stuff. I mean, and again, you could even go back. It's kind of like a, it's very well lit, like a WCW show. But I um I, I think the production values are probably only second to to WWE. Now their glitches and problems they have, <laughs> you know, coming back early and stuff. They still have some kinks to work out. But the, the, you got to admit their camera and lighting and stuff is very very well. And when you're a billionaire, you can pay for that stuff and have some of the best of the best, in my opinion. Um, got him taping up uh, Swerve here, which is actually a nice little touch. Very, very res- reminiscent of uh, Orton and Cena and even Brett and Austin at one time, trying to tape the tape the limbs together. Yeah, it, it kind of makes me think of... Uh, oh, here we go. Kind of Mick, Mick Foley... Uh, rock handcuff kind of thing. I know yeah. it's, it's it's tape, but he pulls out the staple gun and he is just unloading this thing into Swerve's chest. Well, and here there will be an issue I have with this in a little bit. Um, also, I did I, if I like the hangman beat the shit out of Nana on the you know dynamite or whatever it was. 
but why? I mean, if he beat the shit out of him that bad, why is he here and not selling it at all at ringside? I agree with that. I agree yeah. with that. Look, and they're showing Ooh. the great visual. You can see the staples sticking out of his chest. He has a damn picture. Uh, I believe this and the other one. It's it's a picture his his kid drew finger painting. Um, which, just yeah, I think. I think that was George Ty, actually. <laughs> uh, but like, I like the fact that he's he's. I mean, he's stapling the shit out of him with this staple gun, and uh, respect the idea for allowing that to happen. By the way, oh yeah, better man uh, than me. The, the whole idea of the whole finger painting and all this and that it, it adds a nice little touch to this match. I will give it that. Here it comes. If there's one thing in this match that's not good with weapons. Ooh. It's the chair shots and stuff because it's like they don't want to hit them in the head, but they kind of overprotect it. I think like you could very much tell that he hit him with his hand in the shoulder there with the chair, not in the head. Yeah, and, he's and I don't know if you be- noticed it, but Prince Nana just gave Swerve the razor blade. Yep, yep, I noticed that when I was watching it too. Um, so it didn't make sense for him to bleed from the forehead really because he hit him behind the head and shoulder with the chair. So here we go. Yeah, little little thing there. He gets a here's gusher the, though. Fucking gusher. Here's the finger, the finger painting, and his blood is already starting to pour. And it's oh, Guerrero. Man. Does it take the first time? No, but this, <laughs> but the staple sticks into his fucking beard. You see it. <laughs> the fucking staple did. Oh, get and it. And as soon as he does it, the blood starts. You can see the blood on it. Yeah, he he gets I, a gun gusher. I think it's a nice touch, and then he pulls it and yanks it out. It's a nice yeah. little touch. Oh. It's very much like you want to mess with my kid. I'm going to give you something to remember him by. This part is not a fan discussed about online to ad nauseum. And it doesn't really make sense. Like, are you just showing that you're a badass by drinking this dude's blood? But then like, it really didn't. Why would you do that? <laughs> it's, it's really not, gross. It's just like, not, it's not like need- I just don't understand why that was needed unless it's just it's just showing how unhinged he's supposed to be yeah because of him you know introducing to his family i think it's fucking gross personally yeah i don't like the the, the idea of blood my own blood in my mouth let alone someone letting else. someone else's blood drip into my fucking mouth i think that was the crowd little, went nuts for it yeah it's a, it's a little much just to the fact of yeah it shows how unhinged he is but was it really needed not really Ref with his gloves on already. Good job by this ref in the match, though. I cannot. People will crucify me, but I don't know his name off the top of my head. Ooh, and a low blow. Yeah, I don't know his name either. I just, they said it. I just didn't bother to care to listen to it. Kind of into the match there. And Prince Don is going to get the tape off, and this is going to kind of kick into another gear. Uh, Really quick, too. um, Swerve's gear is Fiend-inspired gear. He went on to say that that gear was... Um, kind of in memory of uh, Winter Rotunda. Yeah, I noticed that too. It's, it's a very nice little touch there uh, to him. And uh, it's always cool to see wrestlers pay tribute to people, especially even to this day, like when they had Madison Square Garden and stuff, they still did it. This is this is where the staple thing was like, you sold Look those things. Blood, you sold them so crazily earlier, but now you're like hulking up almost. It doesn't matter, but one simple one to the chest had you jumping around the ring like you were on fucking acid. I don't want to give them credit, um, but his he's seeing his own blood and no. seeing your, like you, you you've talked about it in our last episode. Look at that, it's dripping, it's it's rough. Um, 
when you start to see your own blood and taste your own blood, it does something different to you. So that could be where we're at. Cause when he was getting stable before he wasn't bleeding like this. So storyline wise, you can make that make sense. Well, now it's showing like he's that, that unhinged, but yeah, it's just, I don't know. It, it was that little thing. It's like, yeah, you're bleeding now, but earlier, even when you got stapled in the face, you were bleeding a little bit. And now you're, I don't know. I have, a, I, I, that was one of my little knocks on it. It's like, all of a sudden you don't feel it. I know we, we talked about it before we started recording Travis, that the match it's a, it's a fun match for what it is. I mean, it, it's just, it's Oof. a, it's essentially a brawl, but the match is probably five to eight minutes too long. Yeah, I, and I will agree with that. And I think initially a lot of it is the shock value of the match when you watch it for the first time. Don't get me wrong. These guys do a tremendous job. They put their bodies on the line and stuff. It's just, to me, it doesn't have the same effect as watching it the second time as it did the first time, which it probably shouldn't. But I agree. It's It's between five to eight minutes too long. They could have cut out some things that they did. Um, and they honestly did a lot of really big stuff at the beginning of the match that essentially as the match goes along means nothing as we continue on. Um, also though, that, uh, <laughs> his, his face is just bleeding so damn much, man. It is a pretty damn cool visual. Yeah. Just the blood trickling down his face. It's very Austin esque, like mm -hmm. WrestleMania 13, the way it's just dripping down his nose into his face and like, like you can see it almost like pulling at the end of his nose. It's pretty wild to watch. Oh yeah, when well, here in a, here in a minute when he washes his face off with water and it just pours down, it's tremendous visual. What are, what is your thoughts of a cinder block being added to a wrestling match? Man, I just don't think it ever works the way they want it to. Even even when Seth did the stomps through them to people on Raw back in the day, it just don't feel like it ever has the effect that it's supposed to be. And it's one of my biggest knocks on the match when we get towards the end, but. This is one of those spots right here. It's about to happen that, okay, we're doing it, but does it have any effect on anything later or no. in a few minutes? It's just a spot for the sake of a spot. And kudos for yeah. Hangman for taking it because it looks fucking brutal. Yeah, uh, they're both on the apron here, and there's a cinder block uh, just sitting on the apron, um, and they're throwing some massive forms. But Swerve is going to duck one here, and mm -hmm. he is going to get Hangman up in a, a Death Valley driver He's biting his head here. He's going to get him up for a Death Valley driver, and he Death Valley drivers him on the apron onto the cinder block. However, I got to tell you, it looks break. vicious. It looks vicious, and it did not break. Yeah, Tony Khan right now is jizzing his pants in the back. Also, cool visual. You may notice it more as we go along, but the just the things that are white turned to red in the match. His wrist tape and the ring ropes become stained oh, yeah. with like blood. It is a very cool visual. Yeah, his, he keeps wiping his face. Well, there, the center block falls and it breaks a little yeah. bit. You can see it there now. Yeah. Um, but he he keeps wiping his head with his hands, and like it's just still pouring, dude. Like, like you can see it right there. He's wiping it. Mm -hmm. And the staples are still in his chest, all swelled up. Now there's a spot that's going to happen here, and I think is really cool. And I don't think I've ever seen it done. No, and I think this spot is very cool too. And like you said, it's very kind of it's very dangerous because there's really not a lot of room to do this spot. There's not. And I remember when I saw it originally, I was like, "There's 
this isn't going to work. <laughs> Somebody's going to fall yeah. and break their fucking neck. He's going to, he's, Swerve is going to pal drive Hangman on the barricade. Like on yeah. top of it. Looks like he's going to hit him with the, was it the last, is it the last shot or last ride? Dead, uh, dead eye. The dead eye. <coughs> dead eye. Dead eye. Yeah. Sorry. I knew it was a uh, red dead. There it is. Look, look at, at that. Blood. Oh my God. But essentially, this is another spot that doesn't matter as the match goes along. Like this is these are big spots, and what we're ten minutes in, we still got another twenty minutes to go. Look at this, and then the blood. Oh yeah. my god, dude! It looks like he he like had face paint on the way it just was falling off his face, and then he pours on Hangman, which I think it looks cool too because it, it, Hangman's bleeding as well. And it makes it look worse than what it really is. So I think it's a nice little trick. I like that. Yeah, yeah, because Hangman's blood didn't really seem to come out as look bad until they started doing. He poured the water on him. It made it made it look worse. Uh, I got to tell you, I watched this match uh, tonight right before we recorded, probably about an hour or two before we recorded. Um, and Landry, my wife was watching it and she said she would be pissed off if either of these men were her spouse, as in going and watching this match and seeing them do this stupid kind of shit. It's gotta be how Mick Foley's wife felt watching him yeah, do she... some of this stuff like this. So this is brutal for 2023 wrestling. Like it's very much like a CZW ECW kind of match. And it's for the grand scheme of things. It's very much a G almost GCW match to an extent too, um, with all the blood, the weapons and, and different thing and kind of the disregard for your body to create this now, match. There is something I will say. I like, I like the way that they use great kick to the face right there. I like the way that they use, um, here goes about them with a sack of shit. And they, they talk about it too. They say, you know, normally he, he nip ups and he's like, he's exhausted already from the match and he can't yeah, do it. See the blood but, on the rope there. That's cool. But the barbed wire is utilized so well in this match. Oh yeah. They go back to it multiple times in the match and, and shout out to Excalibur Taz and, and Nigel on this match. As much as I don't like Excalibur, I think they did a good job with this match, putting over the sheer brutality of it, especially Taz who's been through the wars in ECW and stuff and seen almost everything you would think. Yeah. He talks about it too. He, he legit is talking about how um, he's been to wars. He's like, he's like, Oh, I remember a spot like this with, um, I think he said versus uh, RVD or something like that before. Um, and I think that's a nice insight and they're not terrible on commentary. It's not overpowering. I think if Jim Ross would have been on commentary, he would have fucking definitely dragged the match down. Yeah. Excalibur. Oh. I have my problems with the way he commentates, but, he doesn't go too over the top here, which is great because he's not trying to run down 10 matches on a card in 30 seconds. Here he goes. I thought this was pretty cool. Yeah, he wraps, he wraps it around Swerve, and then he hits it. him with a, oh, look at it. And, I mean, I, you got to think some of some of the barbed wires will work, you know what I mean? But yeah. he, he, he wraps him up, and then he hits him with another sack of shit. It looks really cool. This is some some innovative stuff to see with the barbed wire and the cell job from Swerve. Look at the reactions. Crowd's like, oh, fuck. Well, and it may be one knock you could have on this is they're not working the hard camera. But I guess if you're in a Texas death match with somebody you don't like, you're not going to care where the camera is. But imagine the visual of him holding him, staring at the camera like that, blood on his face. Then he does it. That would have been a cool visual. 
Yeah. Yeah. I man. I oh, uh oh, this one. He, he's about to hit him with this really awesome um moonsault to the outside with the barbed wire chair in his hands. Yeah. This is this is crazy to even attempt oh. to do. <laughs> and that looked really cool. He hit him right in the head and he no caught his damn chest terribly. Look with at that. the puddle of blood. Did you see the puddle of blood? Yep. Just pulling up beside his head. Look at it right there. Oh man. This it Eddie is Guerrero so cut, red. dude. Eddie Guerrero cut. Man. Perfect too. Perfect, you know, execution on that. I, I gotta be honest, like I've, I've never really been the biggest fan of Hangman Page, but like after watching the match, I really enjoyed Hangman's performance in this match. I think he looks like a star. This version of Hangman is like I said earlier, is the version that people want to see. They don't want to see that downtrodden cowboy version or even the AEW world champion version where he was kind of booked as a weak champion at points. Like this is the ass kicker. They want to see that version. And swerve. Look at it. He reverses through rolls through. He gets the chair. Oh, and he kicks it right in hangman's face. There is a spot that's coming up here shortly. And I think it's the most brutal spot in the entire fucking match. Here we go. Yeah, this is this is pretty damn cool though, because the crowd's into this too. Like, I don't know if the crowd the crowd's into it, but they're like watching with bated breath a lot of this. Yeah, this is pretty big. Oh, he's hanging right sells his... the knees. The ref, nice touch, checking on his head after that too. But his head hits the damn barbed wire. There's no way it's not hitting it. I do think cool visual, a, great camera a, shot. A slight fuck up here in a second too. There to go checking on each other a little bit there. Cause it it's something that happens later in the match, and I almost think Nana thinks this is the spot he's supposed to do it. Yes, I know what you're talking about. Because yep. Nana pulls his legs to help get him up to to break the 10 count. And I, I know exactly it's right here. Yep. But I think that's like nope. He's like, nope, you're wrong. Like this is the spot because he pulls back on it. Because the spot yeah, the at the end of the match. Pops. He pulls him out at the end. Using the ropes to hold himself up. Ah, God. Oh. Man, he's the barbed wire, like you said, is used well in this match. And there's a lot of innovative and, spots that you don't see. So we're about to get to this spot here, and I, I want to talk about it when we get when it happens. Uh, of course, both men are all bloodied right now, and he's gonna take swerve and he's going to put swerve, you know, set him on the top rope here. He's throwing his legs over and hangman is climbing the ropes and he punches him. And like, the, it's a good visual. The crowd look, it looks, I, I can't knock them for their, their visuals. Like it, the, the, the production value is pretty damn good with AEW watching this match. And he's trying to hit that dead eye and Swerve's going to reverse it. Swerve's foot hits the rope. And he's trying to powerbomb him. But Hangman's fighting out of it. He grabs this goddamn chair. He whips it. And a piece of the fucking barbed wire oh. catches Hangman in the fucking face as he yanks back. And you can see Hangman going, ah! He has to yank it off. It looks so fucking cool. He, he it, it makes it look vicious and fucking real. More real than, you know, 
the replay does the spot justice more. Swerve's going to go to the top rope. I've seen Swerve win titles with this move, and he, he's going to hit him with a Swerve Stomp right on the face. Oh, it looks rough. No more blood on the white ropes there. Love it. We're starting to get more of these big wide camera shots here. And here's that spot. Look at the fucking wire. That is the coolest fucking visual it, I can remember in a long slap, time. Slaps him right in the damn face, too. Just the emotion on his face. He was like, oh, dude. They very it's hard much, to top that. That was, that was really awesome. They very much tried to do the WWE shot and show his back bleeding after he landed on the chair there. And th there just wasn't blood, blood for it. But they tried. They tried on that one. I give it that. Oh, here Look we at go. Swerve's wrist tape. It is com it's completely oh. red now. Just throws the chair on him. Tape's coming off his hands, too, because there is so much blood. And this spot is a little wild, too. Yeah. Was not expecting this when I watched. I was taking thumbtacks, you know, and watched the match. Even the announcers were like, oh, thumbtacks. And nope, it's not thumbtacks. It is not thumbtacks. It is broken glass. And dude, From a, it looks legit too. This is risky as fuck, whether it's legit or not, because what if one of those shards decides it wants to bounce up when he does this move and stabs his ass right in the fucking stomach? Oh, yeah, he hits a 450 and there's shards of glass in the 450. It just, Crowd to me, it doesn't make much sense. That looks great visual again. Hits him. Finisher rules. Hits him with it. But there's no pinning. Even Taz is like, pin him, pin him. And then they're like, oh, yeah, pins don't count. He's like, pin him anyway. I was like, good cover, Taz. Look at the, look a, at the mat. Nice, it's just a nice visual from the overhead shot like that. And not enough wrestling uses that to show the damn destruction in the ring. And the refs count. And this is where I start to feel like the match kind of starts to drag a little bit. Yeah. And the crowd's finally into the counts. Because there's a lot of times during the match, though, when you're watching it, you don't even know he's fucking counting. Because they're no. not even putting it over on commentary, which is like, See, right why here, is he counting? That's something I, 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 I hate. They'll show it here in a second. They're going to show the visual. But he had been making that visual since he stood up. They should have zoomed right in on his face as Hangman stood up. Because he's waiting yep. there to get that visual for them to say, he's like, what do I have to fucking do to, to, to defeat fucking Hangman? And he clotheslines them. They both go to the outside. Yeah. And like I said, this is where you could have started shaving some of this off. Like, did they really need to go back outside after the broken glass spot? No. Um, should the, the cinder block spot have been later in the match as more of a buildup? Because that's not been touched on really at all since then. Or even sold, to be honest with you. Yeah. Like I said, I just feel like a lot of it is excessive now. Like they they could have they could have cut this. They could have cut maybe like five five to eight minutes off this match. And I think this match would not be damn near perfect. You could cut Nana out of this match completely because there's gonna be spots with him coming up. You didn't need that. I think it'd be more effective if they really stuck with the angle that Hangman kicked his ass and he was hurt. Like, you didn't need him as a part of this match. No. And this, like you said, is it becomes to be spot sake for spot sake to get reactions. Oh, yeah. And you didn't so, you didn't need it. While they're setting up this this 
spot here. Uh, Cagematch.net users, Travis, what do you think they rated this match out of 10? They love AEW. I'm going 9. 9.64. Oh, it's not that high. Sorry. <laughs> it's it, not that it, high. It is It is a very high rate. This, this is one of the newer matches, too, so I can understand that it does have higher ratings because of that. It's a newer match. Um, but I don't think it is a 9.64. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. Uh, a lot of people say this is Swerve's coming out party and that it was a bloody awesome war. I, I will agree with that point. It is Swerve's coming out party. It, it's... It is a great visual. It's a great lasting impression, but 9.64. Like I said, it's a new match. It doesn't have the hindsight or the the the, the years later reviews like a lot of our matches do that kind of bring stuff down. So it'll be interesting to see if it holds that rating later as we go. Oh. That was tremendous. Not needed, but very, you know, tremendous spot. He hit him with a sack of shit off the top rope, uh, flipped him onto this barbed wire board. And he hits him with a power bomb. And he's gonna try to hit him with a dead shot. Dead, dead eye, boom. Dead eye, sorry. Yeah. Red Dead Revolver, Red Red Dead Redemption thing. But yeah, I mean, it's just to me, man. Like, was that really needed? I don't. It was a cool spot, spot, but like, in the I action, said, in I, the retrospect of it all, though, does that hold more weight than some of the other spots they've done at this point? I think so. No, but I don't. I think that they could have done that. I mean, tw- I mean, I just don't think some of the pacing is just kind of weird. Look at this, this is crazy. He wraps the barbed wire. Like this is where I feel like they utilize the barbed wire so well in this match. It's a great visual. Here we go, looking for the uh, buckshot again. Crowd's kind of like, what the fuck are they about to do? Oh, hits him with it. Tells him to count. Got a little bit of his Earl and his counting here. Getting down so in this his is, face with it. This is where we're going to see that spot repeated again. Yep. Prince Nana is going to be on the outside. This is where I think he thought this spot was supposed to be earlier. And it is. it does serve a great purpose here with what they do, but it's just like, the hills cheating the wind, keep him up. <laughs> the fact that the barbed wire is still around his head as he pulls him out. Not a fucking. The fucking Nana, Nana dancing. And, and God this, damn it. This is where it takes a turn for me here. Brian Cage is part of Mogul Embassy with them. He's going to hit him with a couple. Of, he's going to hit Hangman with a couple of power bombs and he's going to F5 them. Um, I almost feel like uh, this is so unneeded and unnecessary. Yeah. It, it's very, I get what they're doing. He's a heel. They're trying to put over the fact that he needs help to beat Paige. But honestly, that kind of hurts it for me. The fact that they've put him through all this, the the damn glass, the cinder blocks, all this stuff. But it takes Brian Cage coming out and hitting a few moves. I, I didn't, I didn't think this was necessary at all. I think this actually takes away from the match quite a bit. When when I went back and rewatched this match, this is the one part of the match I'm like, why? Like yeah. they didn't need to do this. Like Nana could have pulled him out, and he could have it could have built up to, like, look at this. He's, he's gonna he's teasing he that he's gonna. He could have caught him coming around the ring with a chair or something, and had the same effect. This and is then almost... he has to he has to sell the forearm because as he wraps the barbed wire around his own forearm. 
this is to give Hangman an out. And I honestly don't think you needed to give him an out in this match. No. It was, it was that brutal enough that you didn't need Brian Cage coming in there, taking a few clotheslines. And Prince Nana is going to come in here and he hits Heyman with the chair. And and I get this part too, but again, if you kicked his ass so brutally on Dynamite, he shouldn't even be at a part of this match. No. <laughs> he is funny as fuck though. I yeah. got to give him that. But did you really, you just didn't need it at this point in this match. And this is a hell of a spot think, for him to take. I think it makes it makes more sense for Nana to be out there than Brian Cage. I agree. That was a hell of a spot he took, though, right there. Oh, fuck yeah, it was. <laughs> right to the table. And where's, where's Swerve at? Where's Swerve know. at? Paige is looking for him. Paige is looking for him. Oh, here, and here, here comes that cinder block. Yeah, I, this is the other part I didn't like. like that should have been the finish. That should have been the finish. You didn't need the other part. And the, also the fact that he didn't hit him up upper back of the head. He hit him lower back. Kind of takes a, back, a little bit away from it, too. All right, little, things, little things. As we're getting closer towards the end of this, even though that should have been the finish, in my opinion. Uh, Lene's Mountie Mark of the Week, nothing left inside, wrote one out of ten. Man, I hate the staple gun. What's next? Light tubes? This match was simply disgusting. Drinking the other guy's blood? This is depraved. Anyone who likes this is a sick fuck. And both of these guys are capable of some really impressive wrestling, too. What a shame. Leave this kind of horse shit to the mud shows where it belongs. This was incredibly <laughs> bloody. Swerve cuts himself too deeply. Despite this, there are two impressive driver spots and a crazy moonsault with a chair. Just a reminder that these guys don't need to stoop to the level of staple guns, blood drinking, and glass. Uh, I mean, he has a couple of points. Um, I, I do want to say I did hate this too. Like, I, I, I feel for this to be the end of the match, he did not hang slash choke him long enough for it to be as effective as it should have been in the match. No, I feel like I really feel like the center block spot should have really been the, the center end. block should have been the finish. Yeah. You, you don't get up from a, getting hit. So choking you out with a chain does it, but hitting you in the back with a center block doesn't. So I don't and really see, understand it to me. He held him what there for 15 seconds or so. And he's yeah. out. And he was struggling right then to get away. He's pulling away from, I, I, I just, I did not like that ending. Um, teach his own guy i mean like i agree some some of the stuff he says like did they have to do all the stuff they did no but this is a texas death match so it's encouraged and actually you're thinking that's what's going to happen um it sounds like brandon a lanae from canada a wrote that would uh fucking i really mud, mud shows when i heard that shit i was like oh man like swerve Swerve gets the win really quick. I told Travis like we're gonna I'm gonna give you a run in from Nasty Yaffa, Hall of Fame Mountie Mark Nasty Yaffa. What do you think Nasty Yaffa rated this match? Oh, dude. Um, God, I don't know. Sometimes he's all over the place. Uh, I'm gonna go eight point five from Nasty. Fucking ten. Fucking ten. Oh, fuck you, Nasty Yaffa. Fuck you, dude. Here's what he said. Here's what he said. I was planning on watching some of the other stuff on this show, but after watching this, I can't do it. No way anything could compare to what these two crazy motherfuckers just did. Hangman and Swerve just kept uh, kept on upping the violent level violence levels as the match progressed, and by the end, it looked like a crime scene. Absolutely bonkers, beautiful. Dude's a GCW fan or something, man. He, he he's got a hard on for fucking deathmatch wrestling or something. Uh, 
I don't agree that this was a 10 out of 10, man. You can go fuck yourself on that, too. Don't agree it's a 1 out of 10 from the other guy. Um, they did up the violence level a lot. Um, sometimes it was almost to a detriment of what they were doing in the ring. Like, you didn't need the blood drinking. I agree with that. Um, I thought the staple gun could have been done a little differently. Um, but like I said, it's to each their own. But, man, it's not a 10 out of 10. Fuck you, nasty effa. Like, if you're going to rate some of the all-time great wrestling matches ever below a fucking five, but you rate this a 10, then I just... You have a certain type of wrestling you like, and it's very fucking evident. Um, I don't think you appreciate all forms of wrestling. You have your own opinion on what is your type of wrestling, and that's cool, but to sit here and honestly say that this match is better than a Kurt Angle, Chris Benoit, or something like that, fucking wrong. Sorry. I will never, never say this match is better than that. Travis, what what is your honest opinion of this match? What do you rate this match out of 10? Man, I, I'm going to go lower than the guys uh, rated this match. I'm going to give it a 7.75. I would give it that. I feel like Brian Cage's spot takes a lot away from the match for me. It was unnecessary. didn't need it. Uh, we discussed it earlier. You could take between 8 to 10 minutes off this match, and it'd be even more effective than it probably is. You could rearrange some spots in it. I really think the center block spot at the end should have been the end of the match. Um I mean, I think they did some really cool stuff, but to me, a lot of it was spots for spots' sake. You know, it didn't really have, I guess a death match really didn't have a flow, but I think you understand what I'm saying. Like, it was just like, we moved to this spot, then we moved to this spot. Like, it didn't really go together in my brain. Um, but I, I can't take away from the guys working their asses off. The, the, some of the spots they did were innovative. The pile driver on the guardrail, the moonshot salt with the chair. Um, it, it's just really cool. Even the the sack of shit off the top through the barbed wire stuff was cool. Uh, I really didn't think they needed the glass spot for, for what it did. Like, it didn't really – there was no real lasting effect on it. It was like they did it moved on. Um, and I agree that this if they had put the center block a little higher on the back of the head towards the end of the match, that should have been the end of the match, not the choking of the uh, with him with the chain because I felt like that was an afterthought after that because he only – held it for like 10 seconds and then it's over like if you're gonna do that i feel like it should be almost more violent than that like he's passing out with the chain around his neck and not struggling i don't feel like they held the spot long enough to really get that across but can't take away anything these guys did i really do believe it swerves coming out party it's it's going to be his star making performance that propels him up into the main car main event and i really think it made hangman look like a badass tough guy that he really needed after the CM Punk stuff happened to him the year before through his title reign and stuff. So, um, and maybe that's just not my cup, cup of tea on some of it. And I, and I agree with that, but 7.75 to an eight, I would never rate this match 10 though. I just don't think it's that, that great. I think I would give this match an 8.25, um, just because of the brutality. Um, they, they lose me, man, with Brian Cage coming out there. Prince Nana out there. That's fine. Brian Cage coming out there, even though they're supposed to be part of this group, blah, 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 whatever. Um, for the pure enjoyment, when I watched this match live for the first time, when it happened, I was just like, holy fuck, holy fuck. Like, this no. is like, holy fuck. This is pretty cool. Um, 
because I mean, I'm not just a purist wrestling fan. I like a lot of different shit. You know, I like hardcore shit. I mean, I don't, I'm not real big into like the GCW deathmatch shit, which it's not my cup of tea. Might be somebody else's. It's not mine. Um, but I think we'll going back to it. Shed five to me, five minutes off delete, get rid of the whole Brian cage angle and get rid of the, the ending with the, with the chain, hit him with a fuck. You're hit, you're hitting someone with a fucking center block. Everybody yeah. knows how, like how a center block feels. You get hit with that in your back. You're not getting up. Well, so they could have had somebody come in and cut Brian cage off. You could have had, I mean, cause he was kind of friendly with the dark order and the elite. Like they could have done something to help him a little bit there. Um, but they didn't, and and it would, that would probably be more effective than Brian Cage actually being there. He could be distracted and get hit with the center block, or Nana does something and low blows him, and you get the same effect without truth, having Brian Cage in there. Truth be told, it makes Brian Cage look like the fucking goof. Yeah, because he couldn't put him down, and he's a fresh guy. Um, commentary was great, though. I mean, I, I know I give shit to Excalibur all the time to our buddies, but I think they did a good job with this. Presentation was great. Presentation was great. The the blood on the ropes, uh, the overhead shots. Um, but I even said it to you earlier before we started. I just, I, as this goes on, will this hold up to people? Um, and I think that'll be, and you'll be able to see that through people's opinions of it on cage match in two to three years. Like, will it hold up or will you get more people like the one star guy that's depraved by watching wrestling? Like, he's probably depraved seeing his granny's underwear. But I mean, at this point, like it's everybody has different types of wrestling. Everybody likes different things. And sometimes I think people go too extreme with it. You have the AEW marks that everything's great. And then you have people like one star guy that everything, unless it's a fucking 15 minute abdominal stretch is bad. So um, I'm kind of somewhere in the middle, upper part of it. I can still appreciate guys working their ass off. Maybe I don't agree with everything they do, but. I mean, I still enjoy the match, and I still was in utter awe with some of the stuff they did. Yeah, the visuals of the match, not necessarily the camera shots, but the visuals of the men bleeding, uh, swerve, just pouring blood. To me, it's worth the watch. It's definitely worth watching once. Yeah, and they did John Moxley proud. Shout out to the guys over there at Bleeding John. Um, Also, uh, Tony Khan was watching me as I gave my review there with his uh, lustful eyes, so fuck you, Eric, one last time. And see, Scott, we fucking reviewed an AEW match, and I didn't completely shit on it. So fuck you too. Yeah, get well soon, Scott. Yeah, I, will, I mean, I don't want to talk a whole lot about it, but get well soon, buddy. Uh, or Team Scott. Hope you feel we're, better and get better soon. We're thinking of you, sir. Uh, fucking uh, Die Hard's a Christmas movie, and you know, Rap God by Eminem's not too bad. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right. All righty, guys. Uh, so on the next week. Guys, if you're new to the podcast, if you've never listened to us, this is how we decide which match we cover next week. Uh, myself and Travis and a group of our buddies have a list of matches that we think are pretty awesome, our wrestling recommendations. Uh, so these matches span all the way back from 1978 all the way till 2023 that just happened on, on to the new year. Maybe 2024 will be creeping up on us and get some matches added on there for this year. Uh, but they cover matches from WWF, WWE, WCW, TNA, uh, AEW, Ring of Honor, uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, UWF, AWA, 
Um, the local show I talked about on this episode in GW, um, we got some matches on there from there from that as well. Um, but what we do is we take all those matches, we put it into a randomizer, the Wheel of Names, the Wheel of Destiny, uh, shuffle it, we spin it, whatever it lands on, that's what match we cover next week. It's 100% shoot. Uh, we don't know what we're, we're going to get until it spins, and um, we're sitting at 318 matches. So, Travis, what do you think we're going to get this week? Uh, I man, uh, to stay topical, I think we're going to get a Sasha Banks match. Ooh, we have yet to have a women's match on the podcast. There's women ma- women's matches on this list. We just haven't hit any yet. It's true. Like we haven't, and I think that may be maybe the the broader scope as we get a women's match. But I'm going Sasha Banks. Um, I'm going to go WCW. No, no women's matches there. So no, you're right. You <laughs> no, are right. That are on the list. So. Uh, still want my DDP and Savage. So we're going to spin the wheel. It's spinning, Travis. And it is going 318 matches right now. I wouldn't be mad at a William Regal match or a Lord Steven Regal either, but I'm going women's. Sasha Banks, spin the wheel, make the deal. Oh, boy. So this is NWA. NWA? Hmm. Okay. Eight, Give me a, eight, yeah. 87 Great American yeah. Bash. 87 Great American Bash. Holy shit. Hmm. The tag team match. Damn it. And if I my mind was more clear, I'd probably get it. Hit me with it. Midnight Express versus the Rock and Roll Express, baby. Fuck yeah. This is is that this isn't our first midnight match, but it is the first one versus the Rock and Roll because we did Wild Odd Southern Boards versus Midnight Express. That's right, and we also did the Rock and Roll Express versus Arn and Ole Anderson. So, yep. uh, eighty-seven NWA man. Yeah, man, uh, it's a sweet spot. Uh, Brandon A. Lene from Canada is probably jerking off right now in Fat Tony's face, just thinking about this match. So, you know, fuck you, Fat Tony. I'm kicking your ass in consolation bracket of fantasy football. So you can suck that D. Um, but yeah, man, it's a sweet spot for tag team wrestling. This is two of the biggest uh, tag teams from that era. And looking forward to covering it because if you when you think Midnight Express, you think Rock and Roll Express. They're joined at the hip. They had they're throughout their entire careers. Um, they had reunion shows stuff. You know with Cornette. Uh, Cornette keeps that spirit alive very much. And you know, shout out to Jim Cornette. Not everybody's cup of tea, but can't deny that he was the uh, you know the spoon that stirred the pot essentially around this time with this tag team feud. So um, and he. He's very much a part of it, and I think he's a big part of it. And then the tag teams themselves, you know, wouldn't be the same without Cornette there. But the, these guys were just like peanut butter and jelly, man. Any promotion you put them in, any time frame, any time limit, any type of match, they could go and steal the show. Yeah, man. I love me some Midnight, and I love me some Rock and Roll. Love me some Ricky Morton, baby. Um, we've already pretty much covered both teams up to this point as well, so we can kind of talk about maybe talk about the Great American Bash and how it became a thing uh, and, and kind of go from there. The Great American t- Bash tour, baby. Daddy. Right. Daddy. You will. Travis, what do you got for me, man? Uh, not much, man. No, just bringing in the new year in uh, North Carolina, so – you can go check out my eBay store at TGL The Man 12, but will not be shipping out until I get back next Wednesday. Um, uh, my family, my sister and brother-in-law are taking their, uh, my nephew for a birthday trip. Um, so I'm here covering the farm and helping out. So I am out of town for a little while, but uh, 
looking forward to covering uh, the Royal Rumble 1995 with the rest of the purists this week. So that's the plan with those guys. Uh, looking forward to diving back into some wrestling ruined in my life with that. Uh, we're covering some 1995 stuff. That was, that was, that was uh, Ryan's idea, uh, not mine. So um, I volunteered for most of the 95 stuff because it has a horrible spot in my heart. Um, the things they could have done to make that year so much better, I look forward to talking about. Uh, and, you know, shout out to the guys that are bleeding John. Surprisingly, him and Eddie Kingston did not bleed at World's End, either one of them, which was fucking surprising. Um, I had money on both of them bleeding within the first three minutes. But thanks to those guys, I didn't have to watch the show to see it, that they didn't bleed. Um, and, you know, we said it earlier, but shout out to Scott. Good luck with everything you got going on, man. We're very much Team Scott. We appreciate you listening to the podcast, being one of our biggest fans and always interacting with us on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it, and enjoying the videos over there on the Tiki Talk. So shout out to him. And then, of course, shout out to Brandon Alene and Fat Tony over there at the Rants for the Black Lodge, you know, with the uh, the Rants from Black Lodge magazine episode or issues one and two. We have articles in both, uh, support a great cause, uh, buy a magazine, all proceeds go to charity. So shout out to those dudes too. Check them out on X at Rants Black Lodge or on their website at JuicyKruger.com. Um, and that's all the plugs they get because fuck them. <laughs> hey guys, check out Wrestling Recommendations on TikTok at Wrestling Recommendations. Uh, check us out on X or Twitter at Wrestling Recom, R-E-C-O-M-M. Um, definitely check out our Facebook page where we do all of our watch-alongs when they're not copyright-stricken. Um, every every Saturday we drop uh, the watch-along so you can watch the entire match with us. Um, you can actually you know, mirror or is it mirror it or to your you TV? See, so you, you can oh, see Tony's God. eyes. They're terrifying. Ah, I like how it does that. Those eyes. I like how ah. when I move the shirt, it makes different. <laughs> there's disappointed Tony and then there's I'm fearful of my life Tony it's upset Tony ah he's, he's happy I don't know which one is he looks like Beaker from fucking <laughs> Muppets man that's what he looks like shout out to Eric for this. this I when I initially got this as my birthday present I was like fuck you Eric but now it makes it like a nice little play along thing on the on the pod People it's pretty it. funny uh yeah guys we uh we're, we, we're still trending and, and on the charts for in australia and in the u.s which is pretty cool it's the longest st- stint we've had in the in the u.s and our good buddies in australia we appreciate you guys listening to the podcast um but until next week we get some great american bash action from 1987 as the midnight and the rock and roll express battle it out once again uh until next week i'm eddie and this is travis and we will see you then